Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or... FM Translator, good morning and welcome to the program. It is uh, the Wednesday edition of the Michael Duke Show, and we are ready to go to dive into some good topics today. We got a full boat uh, with the program this morning. Coming up here in just a couple of minutes, we're going to be joined by uh, my phone is like badink, badink, badink. Uh, we're going to be joined by uh, Representative Ben Carpenter. Uh, from down uh, in on the peninsula. He's going to come on board and uh, share with us and talk a little bit <clears throat> about the fiscal plan uh, or a fiscal plan, I guess not the one that the powers that be seem to want to take on, but at least one that he and his colleagues from across the aisle have been talking about and pushing on and trying to get their fellow legislators to see and understand and hear. Um, instead of, uh, well, instead of the stuff that we're seeing, like what we discussed yesterday with, um, with, uh, uh Brad Keithley, Bert Stedman's, uh, Bert Stedman's, uh, uh, piece that basically said, we just can't afford the PFD any longer. And that, uh, we need to, you know, that the dividend is essentially, I mean, reading between the lines, I think it basically said that the dividend is um, a last thought and don't uh, don't count all your chickens and uh, don't look for it to be there in the future kind of thing. Um, so we'll have uh, we'll have some discussions about that with uh, Representative Ben Carpenter, who is uh, the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee and also one of the uh, members of the fiscal policy working group that uh, so so vehemently, well, no, so diligently, I guess, is the word I'm looking for, <clears throat> diligently worked on a plan to uh, to put all this together. Uh, so we'll have a conversation with him about that here in hour one. Then in hour two, we'll be joined by State Senator Mike Schauer who will also take on uh, this uh, discussion, but from a perspective of the um, from the Senate side, since he has to work with people like the Senate finance co-chair <clears throat> directly. And uh, Stedman's obviously got plans uh, for the way he wants to uh, he wants to take this whole thing. And we'll get uh, we'll get Mike Shower's take on that as well, and then we can uh, we'll just then we'll we'll talk about whatever we want to talk about because that sounds a whole lot more fun uh, these days than uh, than a hundred percent politics all the time. All right, so we're going to get into that. A couple of the stories that are out there, um, not not a whole lot, kind of a slow news day. 
Police in Anchorage are looking for a suspect who's armed and dangerous after shooting somebody on Monday night. Uh, this guy's a four-time, he's wanted on four other existing felony warrants. Now he's wanted on a warrant for uh, two uh, for two felonies, including shooting a family member outside their home. Apparently they he shot a guy outside the house. They got into a disagreement and he shot him. So four felony warrants, still has got a gun, just business as usual. <laughs> around here because just one more law will stop that felony that felon from carrying that gun uh and another story which we probably won't get to today but i'll just give you the headline former university of alaska fairbanks student sues school alleging injuries from hot sauce not not pepper spray but hot sauce hundred thousand dollar lawsuit (laughs) i I just don't even I just don't even know what to say. Don't even know what to say to that. Anyway, uh, we'll uh, we can get into those later on if we run out of time. Uh, but meanwhile, I see that uh, um, State Representative Ben Carpenter joins us this morning, uh, and he's ready to jump on board. So let's uh, head on over to uh, head on over and pull him out of the green room, and let's have a discussion about what's going on with state fiscal matters. Ben Carpenter joins us. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Good morning, Michael. Can you hear me well? I get you're a little muffled. If you're, uh, if you're, let me turn you up just a little bit and see what that's like. How about that? We're doing good. Okay. Is that any better? Uh, it's still pretty low. I'll go ahead and just crank your mic up a little bit, and we'll see what we can come up with. Um, all right, Ben. Well, uh, one of the things that I was just talking about was this article in the uh, Alaska Public Media. Uh, that reads that Stevman warns against overdrawing permanent fund to pay dividends. Um, and kind of our discussions yesterday centered around the fact that this is kind of a self-made, self-inflicted wound, so to speak, that <clears throat> this is something that, uh, uh, you know, the, that the legislature has caused by funneling, what, $4 billion over the last half a dozen years into the corpus of the permanent fund. And now they say, well, there's a crisis now. There's not enough money in the earnings reserve. Um, but this, it, it just looks, as you look at it from the outside looking in, it looks like it's all, um, I guess, working as intended is what I would say here. Uh, so I kind of want to get your thoughts on what was said there and what we can do from this and then the overall fiscal plan. Let's just get started. Well, I guess I'd first respond and say that um, if, if we're worried about overdrawing the earnings reserve to pay dividends, wouldn't we also be worried about uh, overdrawing the earnings reserve to pay for government? Like uh, if you can yeah. overdraw it for paying dividends, then you can overdraw it for, uh, for paying for government. And that highlights the problem with relying on a, an investment fund to pay for government. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that that is definitely, definitely a problem. I mean, if you're relying on it to pay for government and it's not there and you're drawing more than you can, and this has always been the danger, this has always been my fear with the uh, with the plan that they pulled together that <clears throat> potentially you could end up drawing more and actually drawing more than, uh, uh, you know, injuring the earning power of the fund itself overall. But the more that you transfer monies into the corpus of the fund out of that, the more more crisis, quote unquote, you have about things like the dividend or potentially, as you said, future in future government. Those are all problems. Um, it's uh, it's it's horrific. You know, there's a legal um, argument out there 
I don't know how many people are making this right now or making the connection right now, but if you consider how much money has been put into the permanent fund, the corpus, by the legislature that isn't part of the uh, required royalties, constitutionally required or the statutorily required royalties, it's a significant amount of money. And there's an argument that says that is not subject to the the constitutional prohibition about spending for the permanent fund. We put it in there. It wasn't part of the royalties that went in. So don't we, can't we have access to it? And I think we're only one Supreme Court ruling away from the the, the courts the, the saying, hey, you know what? The legislature's got control. They've got the power of the purse. They have to be able to spend money. We've got a uh, a crisis of, of a financial crisis that needs to be met and the legislature has to have access to that money because we have to have government services we have to have schools we have to have public safety we, we have to have all of the things that people demand for government and as long as the courts support um, drawing from the corpus of the fund we will set ourselves up for growing government like our our government expenses continue to grow since i've been in the legislature we've grown about 11 percent right so we can't we can't um we can't allow the state of alaska's um budget our our finances to be um reliant completely on or substantially on permanent fund earnings that is not a a wise or prudent source of revenue um, for the state of Alaska. And that is what we're setting this up. We're setting it up so that we have um, no permanent fund dividend and uh, state government is paid for by the the royal or the er earnings from the permanent fund. And if you get rid of the earnings reserve account, then you're just one step away from spending from the corpus when you have um, you know investment returns that don't equal the draw. That you're going to draw right so are you going to have a constitutional crisis at some point that says you know the permanent fund corporation the, the managers of the fund say hey you know what we didn't have a very good uh investment year or we've had a series of years with with uh, low returns and this year we can't really afford to pay for the five percent draw so you're either going to have to draw less than five percent or we're going to have to liquidate liquidate investments in order to pay the five percent draw. Well, liquidate investments means that you're you're taking from the corpus. So this is the system that we're setting up. Right, and, right. And it's in lieu of taxes. Right? right. So we're going to spend our savings account. We're going to spend our permanent fund in lieu of paying taxes. That's what we're going to do. So do you think that looking at this and seeing exactly what's going on and, and as you just laid it out, monies that were put in, uh, whether they classified it as future prepayments of inflation proofing or something else, it doesn't match you know, the constitutional or doesn't match what the original contribution rate is supposed to be. So are you thinking that this is – that somebody's setting up a kind of challenge for this or do you just see it as something that's come to light that is a possibility? I, I think that the the um, the intention has always been for some some people in the state to have 
um, a demand for the permanent fund earnings for something other than the permanent fund dividend. And that's, that's now state government because they didn't like the permanent fund dividend itself. Right. There's right. Uh, um, across the, across uh, party aisles, there are people who don't want to see a dividend. They think that government spending is um, a handout from one side of the political aisle. And then from the other side, they see the, the permanent fund dividend is, is uh, uh, misspent because it needs to be uh, towards spent towards government, government services. So you've got a, um, what I think is a minority in the legislature that wants to see the permanent fund dividend go away. And, and that's going to spend, they're going to spend that on capital projects and on government services to, to make that happen. Right? right. That's the goal. So the way that you're going to set that up is forcing the legislature into that, into that um, choice. Are you going to raise taxes in order to keep a dividend? Okay. Well, no, we're not. Okay. Then we're going to spend all of our, all of our revenue coming from the permanent fund on on state, on state government. That's that's what's getting set up. Right. Uh, because, and there is no single lever that's going to fix all this. I mean, we've discussed this. You talked about it. The Fiscal Policy Working Group came up with that whole plan and uh, delineated that and more. So we're going to continue uh, this discussion. Representative Ben Carpenter is our guest. We will continue in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio, we return with Representative Ben Carpenter and more discussions on a fiscal plan, a true fiscal plan, right after this. Don't go anywhere. Listen to by more staffers in Juno than any other show because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're going to be best. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, uh, in the break with Representative Ben Carpenter. Ben, your microphone is super muffled, and so I don't know if we can get you to reconnect here. I can kick you out and you can come back, but... Uh, well, I, I think I know what the problem is, Michael, um, and we might want to just drop off the video and go to audio. Okay. The... Um, my, I need to find another pair of uh, earbuds or microphones. I, oh, I don't have. Uh, you don't, I have, don't have those in this morning. Oh, you don't have those. Okay, all yeah, right. They they won't hold a charge anymore, so I need to find another pair. Oh well, that's that's always a problem for sure. All right, well let me give you a let me give you a ring on the phone so we can get some good quality audio here because this is yeah let's do that. This is pretty bad. So you go ahead and drop off, and I will give you a call here in just a hot second here. Uh, represent all right, Representative Ben Carpenter, our guest uh, here on the program. Let me see if I got, yeah, I got it there. Let's see if I can get Ben on the phone over here. And one ringy dingy. There we go. All right. <clears throat> Good morning, Michael. Good morning, sir. All right. Well, that sounds a lot better. So. We'll, uh, we'll, it's a good thing it's a radio program. Yeah, no, it's a good thing it is a radio program. It's always a plus. But I mean, it's nice to have, uh, <laughs> nice to have um, uh, the uh, the video and everything else for the other folks and all that. But uh, yeah, definitely, totally definitely, uh, definitely nice 
when you can actually hear the guest on radio. That's a that's a plus. That's what we call a plus around here. So, um, did you, you you got a chance to read that article? I'm assuming that I that I've been talking about the, from the uh, Alaska Public Media. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I and I read enough of it. I I understand. Yeah. Bert's being honest, and I think we're we're rapidly approaching the the time where we don't have any options so that all the cards are going to be on the table and we're going to have to make a decision. What are we going to do? Yeah. Well, and I think as we hear um, uh, what we continue to hear from the other side is, is that this is just the dividend is just a nice to have, but we have so many other needs from government services that we just need to listen to what they have to say about it. And it's, um, it's, it's definitely frustrating. Um, Ben, what's your, Remind me of your district number again. I've forgotten. Everything's changed. I, yeah, I'm District 8. It, district 8, right. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we're going to go ahead and um, uh, switch things over here for uh, Ben Carpenter. Again, our guest here on the Michael Duke Show. Um, right. Boom. Just like that. Let's jump over here. All right. There we go. Rep Ben Carpenter. Okay. So... Um, we're going to uh, we're going to continue this discussion, and uh, and and just see what somebody said. Bert and honest in the same sentence. I mean, look, I, I think you know Bert just believes in his heart of hearts that uh, he just believes in his heart of hearts that what he's doing is the right thing. That somehow, some way, that uh, you know whatever he's has planned. That again. Would you would you agree with me, Ben, that this is one of those we know better than you, how do you live your life kind of things? That seems to be the kind of the common thread amongst all politicians these days, well, and bureaucrats, but it just seems to be getting worse and worse. Um, well, at least from Senate. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly, at least from the Senate. But, I mean, all politicians, it seems like, across the country, this is like a – that's why I call it the politician's disease. You know, that we know better than you how you should live your life and we know better than you how you should spend your money. And you should be grateful that we gave you this minuscule PFD and everything else. Um, I, I mean, this is just this is just a continuous problem with politicos uh, and, you know, political critters in general, I think, at this point. You know, I have a, a policy. My wife and I have a policy in our household that says we're not going to spend more than we make. Yeah. And, and and that bell says we're ready to go, but um, <laughs> maybe I'll save that comment for uh, for when we're back on the air. But okay, all right. Well, we'll uh, we'll kick things off with that then. Representative Ben Carpenter is our guest. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like and share, like and follow. Uh, do the uh, do the whole thing, all the YouTubey things and everything else. Let's get stuff going on and uh, get more people involved. In the conversation. That's really what we need is more people involved in this conversation on a day-to-day basis. Here we go. Jumping back in right now. The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. (laughs) Pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Duke's. Continuing now, Ben Carpenter, our guest. We kind of changed things up for him to get a little bit of a better uh, audio sound. He's joining us now on the telephones, and we're continuing on. We were just talking about this thing that I call the politician's disease, 
which is there's a whole bunch of people out there in government at various levels, politicians, legislators, representatives, senators, I mean, everybody, and bureaucrats that seem to think that somehow they know better than us how we should, well, do everything, raise our kids, spend our money and everything else. Uh, but there's just a problem in that. And you were just saying that uh, you and your wife have a have kind of a mantra or a plan that basically says, you you know, what was it? You shouldn't spend more money than you take it. What's what's the what's the ticket? Here? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the policy that we have in our in our house is that we're not going to go into debt. Our only option is to spend what we make. We're not going to spend more than what we make. And what I'm drawing at a, at a, um, uh, an analogy to here is our policy. I think that's a really good policy for families to have. I also think that families should save money. I think that um, most Alaskans and I think Americans in general want to see good policies at their state and, and federal level, especially financial policies, fiscal policies, right? A policy is just a an agreement, a, a thing that we're going to do that is for the the, the welfare of the people. Well, that's what policymakers are. Policymakers are politicians. So um, Senator Stedman has a a policy that he thinks is is valuable and is in the best interest of the state. And other people have policies that they think are in the best interest of uh, the state. I happen to think that the best policy for spending of the permanent fund earnings is similar to um, Jay Hammond's and similar to other um uh, economists who say hey you know what the the best use of that money is to get it into the people's hands and stimulate the ep- economic engine of the state and that is the best use that is the best policy for that um, those monies so we have competing policies from politicians that's what we're supposed to do we go to the legislature and make policy well we're we're being challenged right now in the state of Alaska because policymakers can't agree on what the best policy is for investment earnings coming from the permanent fund. Some want policies that pay for state government and some want policies that that uh, help stimulate the economic engine of the state. In either case, <laughs> the policymakers are not talking about how do we grow our economic engine of the state. We're not, we're not having that conversation right. because the growth of the economic engine doesn't have anything to do with the the fiscal policy that we're talking about. Right, because we've right. talked about that, the disconnect between the disconnect between the public and the private economy and every other state in the nation, the state's revenue stream is tied in some way to the growth or expansion or health of the private economy. And in Alaska, it's completely divorced from it. There is no connectivity between those two things. It's it's um significantly divorced when our when the economic engine um so so our economic engine benefits when the price of oil goes up and then it it um and even the the state budget does when the price of oil goes down or or uh, then we suffer you know economically because we don't have enough state revenue oil industry uh, cuts jobs and you know because of low price of oil or low production or whatnot and then uh, economies suffer uh, People have to move out of state or whatever. So there is a tie through the oil industry and and very small ties through fishing and tourism and that type of stuff where, where people are paying uh, or companies are paying a, an income tax. But other than that, it's a very small connection. We're the, the individuals that are setting up a policy that says it's okay 
to have the majority of your state revenue coming from an investment, an endowment fund, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, from the permanent fund. Oh, he called it a sovereign wealth fund, which I just thought was sovereign, sovereign wealth. That's fund. what they're trying to relabel right? it as a sovereign wealth fund, right? <laughs> yeah. So we're 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 looking at it through the eyes of a um, a money manager, right? And we're saying, hey, you know what? There's nothing wrong with paying for state government from this fund. Well, that's fine as long as the fund is is um, getting the earnings that you need and everything's um, hunky-dory. But that's not the holistic picture of what Alaskans need. We don't just need state government to be paid for. We need state government to be paid for, and we need economic engine. We need, we need economic activity. We need um, a path to prosperity. Just paying for government is a socialist concept if it doesn't come with economic prosperity from the people. And that's the that's the disconnect that you're that you spoke about is that my economic prosperity has nothing to do with paying for the government. So why would why would anybody who just cares about socialism, about growing government, why would they care about that? Why, why would they care about my economic prosperity? It doesn't matter to being able to provide for government. So we have to ask ourselves in Alaskans and say, how do we how do we um, rein in the spending of our government if we're not paying for it? Now, we do pay taxes. We do pay federal taxes. Uh, those who work in the state of Alaska pay federal income tax, and we're a net recipient, right? We're a net positive recipient of federal dollars, which is ironic. Um, you know, at statehood, there was a worry that the state of Alaska was going to be um, a leech on on federal dollars because we weren't going to be able to sustain ourselves. And here we are. We take in more federal dollars than than we give um, in, in federal taxes. So we're setting ourselves up here for reliance on federal money coming in and reliance on a permanent fund coming in and very little reliance on our own economic engine. And that is the structural system that we have set up. That's, I don't, I don't know how, maybe... Maybe it just gets lost in translation, but all other states rely on some sort of taxation and uh, connection to the economic engine and to the people to pay for their government. And we're rapidly approaching where we don't need that. And and if you if you think that um, investment managers are going to say, you know what, if if eighty billion dollars in the permanent fund is great, then a hundred billion dollars is even better. And that's our goal. Well, that's, we've yeah, we've, we've already heard it. that. We've already heard that from several members that their goal is to get the permanent fund to a hundred million dollars, so that they can spin off that five billion dollars a year without any other problem, so that there is no other discussion. And if they consume the PFD on top of that, that's even more money for them to spend. I mean that. The, so they're already talking about that, creating this fund that is to the point to where there is no struggle, quote-unquote. Although, I think with the spending habits that we have in place, there's always going to be a struggle. Well, and it's a policy call, right? We're, we're establishing our household, and the policy is we're going to rely on the investment or needs to pay for state government. State government's going to continue to grow, and... Is the invest, investment earnings in federal dollars going to keep up? Um, some years oil will help out, some years oil will not. But are those two main sources of revenue going to keep up? Is that the best policy 
for our for our state is to to pay for all of the essential services with those dollars and and not be connected to the the economic engine to the people right is that the policy that we want within the state of alaska my argument is that that's not the best policy it's it's better long term right. we would be handing a healthier state to our our um the next generation our kids and our grandkids if we had a connection to the spending that's going on at, at the at the state level and that would drive in um incentive it would drive attention to the economic engine i'm i'm not kidding when i say we go down there for four months to juno and we don't have conversations we do not discuss how do we how do we grow prosperity in the private sector how do we grow the economic engine of the state we are not discussing that <laughs> folks I'm, I'm just telling you what, what we're, you, we're you, discussing how do you pay for state government right i mean because that's what it's become it's become the sign of success is how big and how full and how resilient the state spend is not the private sector spend that's what they consider a success they consider it a success when state government is fully funded regardless of the cost of everything else I have spoken to some legislators who believe the 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 budget and the the state government is the economy. It's it's crazy. It's crazy to to think that there are people out there that believe that the the 4 or 5 billion dollars that um gets funneled through government employees is the economy, but that's how they look at it. Right. It is a it is a socialist construct. It is a government first construct uh, structure that we have set up in the state of Alaska. And if you want your government to care about private sector, about the jobs, about the the revenue that you bring into your family, if you want them to care about that in a way that that matters, then you have to set up a structure where where that some of that money is relied relied upon by those money managers by the by the policymakers otherwise they don't care so is it in our best interest for alaskans to not have to pay any taxes right we don't pay any taxes because we've got a sovereign sovereign wealth fund does that sovereign wealth fund pay for groceries for my kids right does it pay for school for my kids does it pay for higher education does it pay for a house does it provide a job? It, it doesn't. No, it, <laughs> it just do, provides for government. It it doesn't. It 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 doesn't, and it's uh, frustrating to watch. And yet, these politicians, these I mean, not uh, there are certain. There's a certain group of business as usual politicians in the legislature. We've changed out a bunch of the players, but there's still some of the old guard in there who basically see this as their. You know, God-given duty to do is to basically march us down this road towards where we're completely disconnected. So as long as the government is funded, then everything will be fine, regardless of what's happening in the private sector, regardless of the impact in the private sector. Um, and that's really was the focus of what you guys were trying to do in the fiscal policy working group, right? Yes, and I, and I think that the that both sides of the aisle are members of the fiscal policy working group, and recognizing that it's both sides of the aisle. Um, 
saw that there's a value in having state government. We, we, we can't, no one's arguing that we need to eliminate state government. Uh, some of us are arguing that we need to have a more um, efficient and, and effective state government and less costly state government, which is uh, really a management issue. This is a policy call, but it's a management issue. And we need to have economic activity. And that is, that is the, the change that was, um, that we were trying to get at with the, the recommendations that came out of the, of the fiscal policy working group. But it's much, it's, I, policy calls are also a vision tied to, to vision, right? And if, you're, if you have small vision and you can't see or don't want to uh, trust that the economy can actually grow, that we can actually um, sustain ourselves with our own economic activity and our own ingenuity, if you if you don't trust that and you would rather trust that government is going to take care of you and government can meet your needs then that's the direction we're headed that, that all of the evidence says that's the thinking that's going into the policy calls the policymakers calls that are saying no 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 let, let's let's focus on growing the government and growing how we take care of uh, each other through government services that's that's a a vision problem it is a um I don't want to rely on the uncertainty in life, and government gives me certainty. So I'm going to, I'm going to put my eggs in that basket and and grow government. And that's that's where we're headed as a policy for the state of Alaska. I want to talk a little bit more about the connectivity and some of the ideas to bring that back to fruition instead of clipping the ties, but to strengthening those ties. Uh, but we'll do that here on the other uh, other side here. Ben Carpenter is our guest. State Representative for District 8 down on the peninsula. Uh, We're going to continue with him here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Oh, Ben Carpenter's our guest uh, here in the program, uh, getting ready to, uh, we're going through this commercial break, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about how do we mend the ties that bind us versus uh, continue to cut those things out. Um, I mean, Ben, when you look at this, and you said this earlier uh, in your, when you were talking, you said that the majority of the legislature doesn't want to eliminate the PFD. You said it's a minority of the members, but is that minority, are they the ones that are kind of calling the shots? Are they the ones that are kind of holding the reins of the, of the, of the coach so far? Um, is that part of our problem at this point? Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure if they're holding the reins completely or they're just highly influential and, and have got the, the ability through a longevity uh, they know how things work. Um, the institutional to, knowledge, so to speak. In, institutional knowledge. That's a great way to, to phrase it, to, to um, keep things the way that they want them. <laughs> the day in, day out. Um, 
stuff that we have to do. They, they know that institutional knowledge and they know how things are going to work out and they've been here and done that. They're experienced at it and they're able to control what, what happens and better than the other members who are um, not so experienced. So, yeah, I, I think that's what's happening. And it's, it's, and, and it comes down to human nature too. We just don't want humans don't want to do the difficult thing, the uncomfortable thing or the thing that gets us criticized. Right here, I am on the radio and across the internet as a fiscal conservative saying, I brought forward a sales tax bill. I brought forward a, um, a constitutionalized the PFD bill, and I brought brought forward somebody else's spending limit bill and put them together in a package and said, this is a better system. It's a better structure for doing state government than the one that we have and the one that we're going to continue on if we don't make some change. That is a difficult thing to, it's a difficult pill to swallow, right? It's, it, it sticks in your throat because it's, it's uh, uncomfortable to think, oh man, if I do this, then I'm the one that's instituting taxes and I'm the one that's solving the PFD problem. And I'm, I, oh man, this, this is just hard to do. I don't know if it's the right thing to do. And I'm, I'm, I'm scared, right? I don't, I don't want to take that leap right. and say, yeah, I think it's time. And I think this is the best, best thing. It's, it's it's a human nature problem. Yeah. I mean, it's a frustrating thing. Uh, like you said, these guys know how the system works. They know how to game the system. They know the, they understand the rules of the legislature and the uniform rules and, you know, Mason's rules and all that kind of stuff. And they, and they Machiavelli, uh, you know, behind the scenes, they do all these things. It was like the, it was like the maneuver with the uh, capital and the operating budgets this year. That was a gambit, and it was a gambit that eventually paid off. They know how to work that system to their advantage, and um, and we're always going to be behind the power curve if we don't either a learn how you know get more institutional knowledge ourselves and learn how the game is played, or find some way to replace those people, um, and and encourage their their constituency to consider, uh, you know, some kind of alternate candidate for those things. Yeah. I, I would argue that the, the way that this, uh, the budget session, um, budget discussion ended this last session, um, is a, a corruption of the system, the, the way that we're supposed to make decisions and, and policy calls within the state. It's a, it's a, um, it's a corruption of it. We are supposed to have certain conversations in the public eye that we did not have. And why I say and why I'm confident in saying that there's a minority of the population of the of the legislature that is um, interested in seeing the the permanent fund dividend go away is because we have to corrupt it. We have to twist arms and, and do things that um, aren't following our system in order to get get our way. That's that has to be a willing majority, but it is driven by a a, uh, a distinct minority of the of the population of the legislature. That's my my gut instinct here. Um, you know, if doing away with the dividend is in the best interest of the state, best interest of Alaskans, then that's a policy call that gets um, debated with a policy bill to eliminate the statute that tells us to pay a dividend because that's how we make policy calls within the state 
we we pass a law and this becomes our policy just doing just doing policy from an annual budget is very short-sighted it's a short-term decision because all we can see is what's happening this year with these people with this economy with these numbers it's not right. a, um, a policy that sets up good fiscal health over the long term that's what a law in a fiscal policy does for the state and we're ignoring right. the fiscal policy that we have Let's uh, continue here. Uh, Ben Carpenter, our guest, The Michael Duke Show, one final segment. Let's jump back into it. Here we go. All right, we're back now. Representative Ben Carpenter is our guest, state representative for District 8. Fascinating conversation during the break um, about uh, the makeup of the legislature and the institutional knowledge and everything's there. If you missed it, you can go back and listen to it on the podcast. But let's uh, continue right now with Ben and talk about solutions. Um, Ben, we need to find ways to connect the private economy and the public economy. Now, you've done some things. You mentioned it during the break that, you know, here you are a conservative on the radio advocating for certain things that would not necessarily be deemed a conservative position. But part of that is because we are in such a unique, we're the only state in the nation that has our our financial makeup and our financial mechanisms the way that they are. It is a quasi-socialist system. Uh, based in the Constitution and everything else. And this disconnect from the private economy continues to threaten us. There's got to be ways to reconnect it. What are those ways? What did the Fiscal Policy Working Group come up with? What do you think are the solutions to connect those, you know, to put the put the connections back in there so that they start to care about what's going on in the private economy? I think that it's a good policy for the legislature to have a limit on what they're supposed to spend. And that limit is based on the size of the economy, size of the economic engine, not on the size of the amount of, of uh, um, oil that comes in that fluctuates or, or the size of the permanent fund, but the whole holistically, the size of the economy that includes oil and it includes investment earnings and that type of thing. But it's the whole, the whole picture. So we brought forward a, a um, constitutional amendment that would um, change our current spending limit um, that's based on population and, and uh, inflation and change it to one that's based on uh, the size of the economy. And that would help focus the legislature onto what matters, which is the size of the economy in regards to how much we can spend. I brought forward a, a um, PFD solution that would say, hey, constitutionally, a PFD is required. Define it in statute as to what size the PFD is going to be and then follow that statute because the permanent fund, I'm sorry, because the, the constitution says you shall follow this, follow the statute right now. It's not payment of the permanent fund dividend is not constitutionally required. So the legislature could choose to not pay a dividend. Well, that's not something that we can, we can bank on. Um, we in the, as individual Alaskans or we as businesses that rely upon people purchasing things. So, um, give some stability to the to the uh, private sector by solidifying or, or um, uh, firming up 
how much is going to be coming out of the dividend. It takes it out of the out of the budget cycle discussion and just makes it a, a policy of the state that this is what's going to get paid. And right. then um, connect connect what Alaskans um, the the economic engine in Alaska to the to the state government revenue source by a two percent sales tax that's broad based. And I mean, if you you take a look at your at your grocery bill and if you had a two percent tax on um, the the groceries that you pay, that's that's nickels and dimes. It's a couple dollars. It's not noticeable. Now, if you go buy a car and you've got a you buy a, a seventy thousand dollar truck or I don't know, they're probably hundred thousand dollar trucks now. Well, that's a, a pretty significant chunk of change for a two percent tax on on that. But you're buying a hundred thousand dollar truck or eighty thousand dollar truck. You, you have the means to buy that truck. You have the means to pay that two percent tax. That's that would be the same argument as saying, oh well, you, you make a whole lot more money, so you we should have a progressive income tax, and you you are going to pay more because you have more. Or you make a lot of money, and so you don't need the dividend as much as somebody who doesn't need the dividend. In that, I mean, it it all these arguments could be it, applied to all these various things the same way. That's that's right. So what is the structure? What is the 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 policy, the structure, the laws, the, I mean, think about the, the chaos if we, if we did um, taxes the way we do permanent fund dividend, that every year the legislature comes in and we decide what the tax rate's going to be on corporate income tax, what the, what the um, royalty rate is going to be on, on oil and gas. And we're going to do that in the budget cycle every year. Can you imagine the chaos that would exist in, in the, the financial world right. and, the, and the business world? If we did taxes that way, right, right, no, it's 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 we're, insane. We set up a policy, we set up a, a a statute that says this is how we're going to do taxes, and it's consistent, and people can count on it, and and businesses can count on it. We should be doing the same thing with the permanent fund earnings: is establish a policy and follow the policy. We have that policy on the books, but some people think that it doesn't isn't going to work. Okay. Well, then we need a new policy. We don't need to just keep solving the state's fiscal problems annually in the budget conversation. We need new structure that meets the needs of Alaskans. Heaven forbid we end up with less federal dollars coming in here in the near future. Right. Then we're in a real pickle. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, Ben, as, you, as, you, as you've thrown these things out there, and you've been talking about these ideas for a while now, what, you know, especially to those who are, you know, in the conservative camp and they just can't believe that people like you or Mike Shower or others are talking, how dare you talk about some form of tax in this? Um, but, it, you know, what's your argument to them? I mean, does, does it come back down to that connectivity? What's your what's your argument to them at this point? Other than one, I guess we're being taxed already through the permanent fund. And two, there is no connection by doing it that way. <clears throat> well, there isn't a government in existence that doesn't have to tax somebody to pay for its uh, good ideas. So somebody is always going to pay the piper. So whoever pays the piper is largely the one that's going to have the influence over the decision makers. That's that's the way it is. <laughs> Whether you go back to the, uh, the, the feudal system and you've got a king and the king taxes the people, uh, those people don't have a real say in, in where the, what the hell the king um, spends his money. But if the, if the king has to go to financiers 
and they have to he has to go outside the country and he has to get money from somebody else that's got large um large checks that they can write he needs a fleet of, of ships or whatever those people have some say over what happens with that king they go to war if the king doesn't pay him back all i'm saying is it doesn't matter what form of government that you put into place somebody has to pay for that and the state of alaska is saying and we have said for uh, many many years we're going to pay for state government with oil now we've got a situation where oil is not going to pay for our state government and we're looking at the permanent fund itself and saying aha now we're going to use the permanent fund to pay for state government we're going to pay we're going to set up a system where the earnings from the permanent fund are going to pay for state government and we're going to have access to that corpus eventually that's going to happen and we're going to spend that because government spends the revenue that it that it gets so we're going to set ourselves up for a situation where we're going to spend the permanent fund earnings and you're going to end up with a tax anyway. That's, that, that's just a, I guess the that's been that my, it's, that's yeah. the way that it's going to happen. I guess that's been my point the whole time is that, okay, all these people who are like, they're doing, this is all about tax avoidance, right? The whole thing for both sides and especially from those on the, on the Republican side or the, you know, more conservative. Well, we just do anything. So the long as there's not taxes, take the PFD, whatever you want, so long as there's no taxes, but we can already see in the spending plan, in the projections, in their past performance of what they've done, uh, because past performance is indicative of future results, we know that if they did end up taking all of the permanent fund, it would only be a handful of years before they'd be back to us again with, well, now we have to have a tax. We know that that is coming. Shouldn't we get ahead of that ball and at least choose the tax that has the least impact on the overall economy? That has the least. I mean, if we were getting the full PFD, the sales tax would probably not um, would not exceed what we received in the PFD. So yes, at least we would be taxed, but it would be out in the open. We would see it. We would know what we're paying for government. That's right. That's the structure that I have put forward and. and and ask Alaskans and ask legislators to consider is that we force a payment of the permanent fund dividend earnings, or I'm sorry, permanent fund earnings, force it through a dividend. Alaskans receive that dividend and Alaskans also pay a tax back to state government. And that economic, that system is codified in law and that's what we follow. There's a tax that comes in, the state uh, budget system, the cycle that we have, the legislators that go in and and decide what the budget's going to be, care about the revenue that's coming from the sales tax, just like we care about the revenue that's coming from oil industry and care about federal dollars and we care about permanent fund earnings. Now we're gonna care about the, the economic engine where that money's coming from. And the permanent fund earnings is coming to people through a permanent fund dividend check to help offset that, that cost of uh, paying taxes. Do we want the permanent fund earnings to grow? Well, yeah, that, that benefits the people. Do we want to keep taxes low? Yes, because that benefits the people. Do we want to grow the economy? Yes, because that benefits state government. And it benefits the people. It's a well, better system that's than the a, one it's that a we win. have right now. It's a win-win instead of a win-lose, right? Now it's just benefiting the government, which, I mean, in a trickle-down might benefit some of the people, but not all of the people. But if you gave everybody the dividend equally, all ships, you know, the rising tide floats all boats things, everybody would get a boost. And even if you did have to tax it back, at least all that money would turn in the economy. 
that's that's my argument that's that's my argument is that getting people involved in paying for their government and using the permanent fund earnings to help stimulate economic activity is a better system than what we have currently yeah it's better for alaskans it's better for our economy it's better for state government ben carpenter uh state representative from district eight we should we should keep you on for Mike Shower. You two can go at it here and talk about this together because this is a it's a fascinating topic. But nobody nobody uh, you know outside of the the Bert Stedmans of the world they they don't really want to have this conversation. It seems like it's frustrating. Ben Carpenter, our guest. Thank you so much, my friend. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Um. Ben, I don't. I mean, I didn't ask you this, but I don't know if you want to come on and talk with Mike on the first segment, the two of you together on this. But it might make an interesting conversation. Well, you, I, I just don't know what uh, what your thoughts are. You you've probably got a mute button there because you probably have to use that button to get in edgewise. There, we we wouldn't hear from Michael Dukes either. <laughs> that's the, the two hey, of us would just that's okay. All the it's, all the all the airwaves. It's not like they're tuning in for me, right? They're tuning in for the information, and that's the <laughs> that's the whole that's the whole point. Um, I go ahead. I, I I have I have things that I need to get done this yeah, morning. Yeah, no problem. And, uh, no problem. I'm have to pass on that. It was just one of those things where I thought, oh, that would be brilliant. But uh, okay, uh, thank maybe, you. Maybe we should set it up for another day. Yeah, absolutely, Ben. Thank you so much for coming on board, uh, and thank you for all you do. I know. This has not been a pleasant nor an easy road. Um, again, being a conservative and bringing up something like a sales tax or something like that, I know a lot of hate has come out uh, from folks, but I, I just don't see that. Pe- I don't think that people are seeing, though, I don't think they're seeing the bigger picture. I don't think they're seeing the overall picture of the disconnect between the public and the private economy, and they just think things will go along, along swimmingly. I mean, I've heard that from so many people. Just give the dividend back. Just quit taking the dividend, and that'll be fine. Not realizing that, you know, three years, maybe four years down the road, they'll be back. We'll be right back where we were. Uh, we'll be right back to the point to where they said, well, we need to tax you now because we still don't have enough money to spend on you, even though we're spending whatever it is, $16,000, $17,000 per person. Uh, it's just still not enough. And I think that's the frustrating part. And I and I appreciate you taking a stand on this. You're welcome, Michael. All right. Thank you, Ben Carpenter. Appreciate you calling in. We will talk to you again soon in the future. Thank you for being a good day. part of the show. Um, all right. Um, hour one. Coming to a close, we're going to jump into this with Mike Shower here in just a moment, um, and uh, we're going to we're going to get into this. Um, I got to tell you, it is astonishing to me that uh, that people are just they just don't they don't get the this idea of the differences in. Uh, you know, the, how the public and private economy being severed, that, that connection is going to affect us in the long run. I've had people who I told, I mean, I really respect who come to me and just say, well, you know, I just think we should just eliminate the PFD and that way that would solve all the problems for 36 months. Maybe look at the rate at which we're, look at the rate at which we're, uh, we're going right now. Oh, what's this? Hello, my friend. Can you hear me? 
Oh. I can. Can you hear me? Yeah. I, actually, Hello? I just had to push the mute button off. So that was my fault. Ah. Yeah. I'm on the road, so I don't have access to a computer. If you would keep that on the download, obviously, but I've got to go, um, audio only this way. I could probably try to pull it up on Safari if you need it and oh, go no. audio only, but no, I, I won't have no. video today. That's fine. That's fine. We'll just do it this way. That's, uh, that's, okay. That's I listened to the fun. whole segment, by the way, so I'm I'm prepped. To listen to you and Ben. So I'm good. Speed good. Anyway. Well, it's just you, me, and 43 of our closest friends talking here in the break. So, uh, you know, and Harold, love Harold, and, and, and Harold, yeah, and Harold, he's here too. So just don't, uh, you know, don't don't let out any military grade secrets or anything. So we're still broadcasting <laughs> live right here in the middle of this. Told you, I don't watch comments when I'm talking. It's too distracting. Anyway, <laughs> too. I let too, you do that. Too distracting. Um, all right. Uh, well, let me, now that we've gone back to the old way, I'm so not used to doing the uh, old way where I have pictures of everybody and we do the talk and all that kind of stuff, uh, because the so video, modern. I know the video stuff is so nice and so easy and so much fun and, and enjoyable. And, and then you guys are like, nope, can't do it. And I'm like, oh, I'm not used to that. So, uh, yeah, anyway. I'm stuck. I'm stuck with the phone today. So it's a little harder. No, that's fine. That's fine, man. It's, it's not. Not like it's uh, not like it's rocket science here. We'll figure we'll figure it out. All right, look at that. I did it. I got it. Let's jump into it. Uh, Mike Shower, our guest uh, here on the Michael Duke Show, uh, and we're going to be talking with him here for uh, in just a just a moment as we get things uh, as we get things ready to go here. Uh, look at that, all squared away and uh, and ready to fly. Well, good. I'm glad. Did you read this article from Stedman um, that he had in the Alaska Public Media? Did you read this whole thing by any chance? No. When did he put it out? Uh, this came out on the 18th, and it was an interview with the NPR station in Sitka, Robert Woolsey. Um, I'll drop <laughs> you. I'll drop you a link to it just because it. Uh, maybe you can read it here in the next minute or so while I. Take yeah. care. Take send care. Text it to me. I'll, I'll read it real quick. I just, I just sent it to your, I just sent it on Facebook Messenger, so you could take a look at it and uh, take a look at that. I'll put you, I'll pot you back down here and put you on mute while I talk to the rest of the folks here, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll get this uh, squared away. Let me go back to the main screen, and oh, look at that. All right. Okay, so we're gonna jump back into it with Mike Shower here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show. Um, let me, let me go back up here to see what Rick is just like, cut the damn budget. And then Donna says that would require a new governor, uh, which is so, so true. So true. Um, bet if you got GCI to sponsor the phone lines, they fix the problem. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I was without phones for 28 days. 28 days without phones. It's, uh, wow. Anyway, it's, uh, it's great. Pot you back down. Yes, that is real. Literal. It's a, it's called a pot. That's the slider is called a pot and you pot them down or pot them up. Sorry. Didn't mean to let you see behind the scenes, all the secret radio jargon, but there you go. What was the comment that I saw here? Mark says, so is capital gains tax on investment income not taxed? The state is just our investment company, and now they have a 75% capital gains tax on our investment income. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. All right, we got to go. Hour two, dead ahead, The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Back with more right after this.
Whoa, buddy. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome back. It is your home for Common Sense Radio. Hour two of the big radio broadcast for Wednesday. Hump day, middle of the week. Getting ready for that downhill slide. We just finished up with Representative Ben Carpenter. A lot of good discussion on fiscal policy and uh, trying to connect the private and the public economy and you know, trying to bring us back on track and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's a frustrating thing, to say the least, uh, but it was good. And if you missed it, you can go back and listen to it on the podcast, which are available, uh, CastBox, Stitcher, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and, of course, Spotify, if you want to learn that. Once you subscribe, you can just have it automatically downloaded to your device every day, and you can listen to it. At your pay, somebody sent me an email the other day. They said, I listened to your podcast at one and a half speed. <laughs> I'm like, they either want to get it over or they just don't like the, they want to pick up the pace, pick up the pace. It's the only time you can tell me what to do. We call it Dukes on Demand, right? It's the only time you can tell me what to do. Just go speed up, pause, go back, whatever. Uh, anyway, go listen to the podcast. In this hour, hour two, we're joined by State Senator Mike Schauer who is our guest today to talk about uh, more on fiscal policy. And then we'll just uh, kind of at some point we'll break away from that and talk about whatever Mike wants to talk about. Uh, Maybe, I don't know, I don't even want to put ideas in his head. Whatever he wants to talk about, because uh, that's how we roll around here. So let's go over to the phones right now, get things ready. Uh, State Senator Mike Schauer joins us as our guest. That's not Mike Schauer, that's Mike Schauer. And we're ready to go. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Good. I've been listening and watching anyway, so hopefully I'm up somewhere. No, that's not Ben, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's um, not me. It's, it wasn't you. Now it's me. Um, all right. Well, Mike, let's talk a little bit here about uh, this article that came out in the uh, Sitka uh, NPR where Stedman uh, – there's so many things. I, I want to pick this article apart in the worst way just because of some of the – I mean, I guess the arrogance comes across, the smarminess. I mean, first of all, I want to slap this reporter for not finding somebody who's on the other side of this debate to at least get a counterpoint on it. Even if you did like the whole article about Stedman, at least a paragraph or two of counterpoint would be awesome. But instead, it's like they're lionizing everything that he's doing and that he's the architect of all this stuff and everything else. And But if you read into it, he's the architect of the crisis, which he's now warning about. And that's what's frustrating to me to watch all this stuff go on. They have sequestered money out of the earnings reserve into the corpus of the fund for the last six years. Upwards of what? Almost over $4 billion has gone into the corpus of the fund. And No, it's more than that. It's, they put- 
there, there's a check sitting in Senate Finance that they're so proud of. They got it sitting up there in the wall, and I think that was like four billion. That was like five years, four years ago, whatever yeah. they put it in. So they've moved. I want to say they've moved probably eight, ten billion. Some, I don't don't quote me on the number, but it's much, much more than that that Mike. they have moved into the permanent fund corpus from the earnings reserve with the intent, which they basically admit in this article. Um, to kill the earnings reserve account. They want that gone, which is where the permanent fund dividend has traditionally come from, because then they can go to just the percent of market value draw, and then it's gone, and there is no more arguing over it. So as Ben was talking about before you guys were discussing this, that is his and others' plan, is to take it off the table by sequestering all of the money into the corpus with the intent that, oh, well, we would protect that, except We've already discussed the percent of market value, and frankly, at a 5% rate, it's an overdraw. On bad years, it's going to draw down the fund. It's actually, and I've said this before, Michael, but I'll say it again to the crowd. We had in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee, it's been two years maybe now or so, three years as we're going through these debates, the fiscal policy working group, that that sovereign wealth fund manager from Norway. He's one of the managers of some of the largest funds you know, on the planet, and he told us flat out during the committee hearing that the percent of market value actually can be more damaging, more dangerous to your fund than the current dividend formula because that current formula goes up and down based on the performance of the fund. If the fund goes down, the checks go down, the draw, if you will, right? What you use and how much you put back. If it goes up, it goes up. But with the 5% draw, you're taking it out no matter what. Um, So it was interesting to hear that perspective because quite frankly, that's not something I had thought about. So that's one part of it. The second thing, back to your comment about journalism and having a fair you know, representation of viewpoints, that would require objective journalism. And how <laughs> much of that do we really have in Alaska, my friend? Right. Not much. Yeah, it's not there. I mean, again, there's not even there's not even one sentence of counterpoint to this whole article. This, again, is a lionization of what Stedman's doing. This whole thing in the you, end, you the whole thing in the end boils down to this one paragraph where he basically, the whole thing is, it's another strategy that's gaining momentum in the legislature, which would end the fight over the earnings reserve. And that endings the and that's the ending of the earnings reserve itself. Instead of two accounts, the plan calls for maintaining only the main corpus and setting a hard cap in the state constitution on withdrawals, which will prevent future legislators from spending it all away. And Stedman is a fan. That's what it says. I mean, that's the, the whole know, point you, here. You notice he's a fan of that spending cap yep. in, on the POMV, but not a fan of a spending cap for state spending. Do you see right. the disconnect oh, yeah. between the two? No, no. He's all about capping what we can take from the fund to protect wealthy people and others from ever having to be taxed in the state to pay for the government that they've allowed to increase in size to where we need to be having this discussion. But they do not. He is not a fan because he said it and many others of capping what we need to spend or the, the amount that the government can spend because he has said that over and over again. Well, we don't need a spending cap. Well, you want to cap how much you can take from the fund and take it all away so it's under complete control of what you guys get, but you don't want to cap how much the government can spend. And so, Michael, let's take that to the next logical conclusion, as you guys were discussing with Ben earlier. What happens next? You were alluding to this. So we have a cap. Let's say that's gaining momentum. I wasn't aware of that, but apparently it is. Um, and so we have a cap on how much we can spend, and that's now put into the Constitution. Now, we're not going to we're not going to cap how much the government can spend because they don't want to touch the current constitutional spending cap that is wildly high and allows us to spend beyond anything we could ever spend, but they don't want that. But what's happening to the spending? 
And what has happened to the spending under their watch? The very people that are finance co-chairs and others that have been around for 15, 25, 35, 40 years, the government spending has gone up under their watch most of the time with them in charge of finance. Right. And now you have somebody like Kathy Giesel's bill, Senator Giesel's bill for defined benefits for state employees. I've had long conversations with one of the arm board members that can cost us a billion dollars a year, depending on how things perform. You've got Senator Tobin with wanting to put another quarter of a billion dollars every year into the education system with no metrics for performance or what we get back from it. And as you and I have discussed many times in this program, we have about 100 to $125 million a year already cooked into the books every single year from just the increases of contracts and other things we've already agreed to. Now, you add those up, my friend, for where we stand today and how little that 25%, the 75-25 dividend that essentially was given this year, if you want to go down that path. And how long with those numbers I just added up does it take before you've eaten up every single penny of whatever you get from the percent of market value, even if you take the whole thing? Here's my point, Michael. The disconnect is with their logic. Because if we go down this path and do not cap spending and do not cut any more spending, because it doesn't matter how many cuts we put in, how many cuts I put in, like I said, like $2 billion worth over the last six, seven years, all, sh- all shot down. So on this path, when they're talking about, oh, there's a fire alarm ringing, well, I got news for you, brother. We're on the train, and we just busted through the sign that said bridge out ahead, full speed. That's the problem with their logic, Mike. It doesn't matter at this point almost what we do with the dividend or how much we take. Because of what they're proposing for spending and where we're headed for this, we're going to overspend, which is why Ben was talking about trying to put a limit on this right. and a sales tax, which is the only thing I would ever agree to. I've said that many times. And I've also said to, to assuage the concerns of people that are going to make comments, I'm never voting for a tax, Mike, ever until I see that spending cap in place that limits the growth. And there's some balance with how we like a sunset commission or something that's going to reduce the cost and increase the efficiency of this government. If I don't see the whole package, I'm never voting for that ever. Let me be crystal clear. And I've illuminated that with some of the reasons why for what they're trying to spend. People need to understand that's where we're headed with this. And that's why with the logic that they're using, the reasoning does not work. Because as Ben said, and he had some great arguments this morning, you know, the government's going to spend every penny we give it. Every penny it can get its hands on, it's going to spend it. And with where this legislature has gone and is going, that's the path we're on, Mike. They've got a billion dollars worth of bills, you know, of spending sitting on the books right now that the Senate really wants to seem to approve. Right. Um, So add those numbers up and you tell me what's going forward. And it explains why people like Ben and myself and a few others that are actually fiscally conservative, because I saw that note in the article about fiscal conservative in the old sense. Not sure what that means. Yeah, I don't know um, exactly. anymore when you what look at where mean? we are. Yeah, he's a he's a conservative but, in the original sense of that word. What is yeah, that? Again, what whatever that, that definition is, I guess. But here's here's my point is that that's why people like Ben and myself are looking to do it now before we end up over the outbridge and into the river and the train that we're all riding on is let's put the caps on it now. Let's put the brakes on it now. Let's have a balanced budget plan now where everything can work out. And then, as we've said many times, and Ben is, again, very correctly making the, the logic leap that you have to have something tied to the private economy. That's a sales tax. That's other things that people and businesses would feel. But at the same time, like what you need is stability. We have no stability in this state for the business environment because we change every couple of years. 
And if we don't have stability, nobody's going to want to invest in Alaska. And we've gone back on our word in the deals we've made in the past. And so I look at the oil executive, yeah, I don't know what you guys are going to, we don't trust you guys. Well, that's not an environment where we're going to get good investment. We already have an economy that's not diversified like Texas or California or other places that have big industrial bases and, and other things. So if we don't put a cap on this, if we don't constrain this monster, I don't see how the train really isn't going to go over the bridge sooner right. rather than later because we're going to eat it up at the spending rate we're doing right now. And it's not going to take very long, folks. It just isn't. Well, and that's what I've been saying. You know, there's been people out there, again, as I you were listening to the last hour, so you heard me say it, but I'll say it again. I've talked to people, conservatives, Republicans, who've just said, oh, just give them the PFD and that'll take all the pressure off and that'll be fine. Huh. And we'll just take the PFD and it'll be OK. And that way we can avoid taxes. And I'm like, you don't understand. The, at the rate that they're spending now, at the historical rate that they've spent in the past, if you look at it, it looks like a freaking, it looks like the steps to Kilimanjaro. They just keep spending. So if you give them the permanent fund, if you just roll over and say, okay, fine, take the whole thing, in just a few short months, you know, maybe a, three years, maybe four years, they'll be back at you looking at, because in four years, the budget will have gone up by half a billion dollars automatically, let well, alone with whatever else they're spending. Before. Before anything, yeah. Else before any, so then, so they'll come back to you hat in hand and say, "Well, you know, you Alaskans, you really should pay your fair share because all the other states have taxes and we don't have taxes, so we need to institute this because we know better than it's it's coming." That's the thing. If we don't get control of, and I'll tell you why he's all about this uh, this one fund constitutional cap on how much you can draw because it will allow them to grow government to right up to the size of that cap. That's exact because if the fund continues the to point, grow, Mike. yeah, they'll just grow government with no breaks, with no connections to anything else. They're just able to grow government to the full amount of money that they can get out of that. And then they'll look for other ways as well. And let's take that argument to the next logical conclusion. What if the stock market shrinks like we saw a couple of years ago in COVID? Look at your percent of market value draw then. What are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do, Mike? When all of a sudden, that big government that you've grown and now committed to paying for, all of a sudden, doesn't have the money to pay for it. And by the way, let's add to the fact that we don't have many people to tax in this state. We don't have 40 million like in California or 35 million like in Texas or 28 million like they have in Florida with a massive base that they can tax and pull billions of dollars from. It doesn't exist in Alaska. Half the people are in freaking welfare. So we don't have a tax base that's going to drive the numbers to pay for it anyway. So if you connect the dots and take it to that, that they're talking about and grow the government to every penny that it will, if it's given, right, every penny that it's given, it will spend. And all of a sudden we have a big stock market hit. What are we going to do, Mike? Right. Where's the money going to come from? Right. What are you going to do? You'll have to declare as he You have no reserve and yeah. you put it all into the corpus and guess where we're going? Yeah. We're cracking open the corpus. And once we do that, brother. It's, it's, Katie you might as well move it to Heaton. Katie bar the door. It's, it's yeah. Katie bar the door. That's yeah. right. Uh, Mike, it's over. Mike, they are setting us up to fail with this without question. Mike Shower is our guest. Uh, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. We continue this on the other side, and then we'll let Mike Peter out to talk about something else he wants to talk about. We will continue with more in just a moment. Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Back with more right after this. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. 
we dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, Mike Showers, our guest uh, here on the program. Excuse me. Um, nope. <laughs> Bill says, <laughs> Bill says, dozer for governor. Just don't tell Michelle. Uh, <laughs> well, let's, let's discuss this for a minute, right? Okay. Honestly, I mean, I, I get too, um, you know, fired up and, you know, probably, and I, I mean, let's be honest, Mike, I mean, I'm a very conservative guy. I'm outspoken. The chance of me being governor in the state of Alaska, if I was even really thinking about that are slim. I don't think I could get elected. It's just the way the, the dynamics are changing, but let's look, let's listen to a very calm, logical, uh, statesman. And I got to tell you, I'm listening to Ben talk last night and I go, you know, Ben, Ben could be governor. He's got, you know, he's nice and calm. He's got a statesman voice. He maintains total, like that's just equal, no matter what's happening. You know, the, the hurricane's blowing around him. He's just standing at the podium, like nothing's going on. I'm like, hey, Ben, Ben could, he could be that guy. Maybe it should be Ben. <laughs> I see. Deflection is what you've got going on here. You know, Total deflection. Shovel, how was that? Was that pretty good? Yeah, yeah, it worked out real well. Shovel this right over to uh, shovel this right over to uh, Ben. I'm sure he appreciates oh, sure you. Ben. I'm probably going to get text from him shortly. Going, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> you bastard! Stop it. You bastard! <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but I mean, look, this is the thing. Like as you said, a billion dollars in bills sitting in the hopper right now, wanting to be passed with people wanting to pass these things. And yet we're in a crisis already uh, with the amount of money that we spend and where is it coming from and everything else. And even if we took all of the permanent fund dividend right now, that wouldn't be enough. It wouldn't be enough to fill the bills that they've got in the hopper right now. Yeah, because let's think about it, Mike. What was a $1,300 dividend? The thirteen hundred dollar dividend was about eight hundred and eighty million, yep. roughly. So just the numbers we're talking about with the bills and the hopper plus the half a billion every five years plus, just based on normal increases of the government spending, you've literally eaten that up and then some if they're doing the seventy-five because that was what you know some of the finance. Oh, 75, 25, that's what we can do, right? Well, guess what? You're already past that number, my friend. You aren't far from the fifty-fifty at this point. In other words, eating it all up and leaving nothing. So when they talk about, we don't want to eat the seed corn, you guys are setting us up to eat the seed corn. You've already consumed everything. We just haven't got there yet. This is the quintessential, Mike, you start drinking. Well, make a good decision. You know, don't drink and drive after, you know, you have the first drink or two and you're still thinking. And then you get to drink six or seven and you're no longer thinking straight, right? That's kind of where we are with this. I mean, the, the crisis is in front of us and coming, but they're not acknowledging what's about to happen to us. And they're just seeing it versus their view, like Ben talked about. Well, they have their policy positions. They have what they want to do. That's fair. Everybody has their opinion. Everybody's welcome to have their opinion and, and what they do. I would argue, though, as has Ben, that if we don't do something about it now, the path they're on is setting us up to fail. Because they're not well, doing the math and they're not connecting the dots or they're not acknowledging it for whatever reason. That's the thing. I mean, this is a crisis. of the, This is a self-inflicted wound. They transferred, as we started off the show, they transferred all those five, six, eight billion, however much money it is, they transferred billions of dollars out of the earnings reserve that didn't need to go into the, they keep talking about inflation proofing. But I thought the argument for POMV was, is that it has the inflation proofing baked in. 
And you don't have to do the kind of inflation proofing that you used to have with the old. It's like they're taking the inflation proofing from the statutory formula and, you know, they're picking and choosing. We'll take the inflation proofing part from that. But on the other side, then we'll do the POMV. This they've created the crisis that they're now going to try to leverage to then increase state spending. But, Mike, that's the thing they have been doing. And I say they pejoratively different individuals many of them are no longer in government service but some of them are still around they've allowed this spending to increase over the last 20 years if you go back like i pointed out in the program previously to the early 2000s the state government was essentially half the size it is today and people go well with inflation that's not a term you know that's about where it should be really because the population hasn't doubled so we'll wait and Pick that up on the radio. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know what the ding means. I, yeah, I know what the ding, ding dong, the witch is dead. All right. Uh, we're going to continue here with Mike Shower. We're going to, I guess we'll pick this up. Uh, um, I guess I'll re-ask the question uh, on the other side and we'll start back over again. Mike Shower is our guest. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and follow. Here we go. Let's do it. No, I mean, right now, let's do it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Phew, I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. Yep, not your daddy's talk radio. Uh, Hopefully better, shinier, newer. We can cut a tin can um, and and scramble an egg while it's still inside a chill. Welcome back to the program, The Michael Duke Show. State Senator Mike Shower is our guest. During the break, we got talking about, you know, the growth and size of government and where things are going and, and basically talking about how this whole thing, as I said with Ben Carpenter in the last hour, is a self-inflicted wound. I mean, this is... This is Machiavellian uh, in, in some ways. I think that they set this up to transfer... Billions of dollars, whatever it is, six, eight billion dollars over the last half dozen years out of the earnings reserve into the corpus to set things up so that it looks just like this. They utilize, uh, you know, the, the the whole thing with the, the inflation proofing. I thought inflation proofing was supposed to be taken care of with this POMV as part of the formula. It was already taken care of. But it's like they're taking the inflation proofing from the statutory statute and then uh, applying it here so that they can create this false this false crisis that they can then take advantage of right mike well i don't think you're wrong that there certainly has been a narrative or an agenda by certain groups and others and you could put other entities outside of the government that want that because they rely on government funding they want to see the same thing right so there's there's certainly various avenues and different groups and individuals that are pushing down this path but remember you know as well mike that when you when you see what they're doing here, the the logic that just is one of those things where you're shaking your head is that you're they're going to spend, as we know, demonstrated, it's statistical, it's there. Every penny they get, they're going to spend it, generally speaking. And therefore you're growing government. And so the question I would ask is when you get your cap and the constitution on how much you can take, and you've moved every penny from the earnings reserve account into the corpus so you can control 
because you're not going to pass any you know amendment or anything else in the and clearly not follow the statutes on whatever dividend. That's why I always laugh that we got a statutory fix. I'm like, here you don't follow it. Who believes a word coming out of the mouth of anybody in this legislature about following the law? It's at least if not which on the on the dividend. We don't. So nobody believes a word we say. It's laughable when they say that. I just shake my head and want to bang it on my desk when they're saying that on the floor. I'm like, really, guys? Nobody believes a word you're saying. Nobody. Oh, we're going to do a 50-50 in five years. Really? No, we're not. We're never going to follow that. So remember, the, the leap in logic this takes, Mike, is that we're going to spend every penny that is given. They're going to want to cap this with a constitutional limit that we can't seem to pass already for anything else. And then you're, you're going to add a billion plus or whatever every single year to what we spend. And all of a sudden, the, the fund drops because the stock market is tanking. And we don't have oil flowing through the pipeline enough to make up for it. What are you going to do? What are you going to do with that government that you grew so big and allowed to grow so big and wouldn't cap it because God knows we don't need a constitutional spending cap, according to our finance co-chairs, and all of a sudden, your money supply shrinks like it did in right. COVID. What are you going to do, right? Because you have Where no you reserve, right? Because then you have no reserve account. There is nothing account. left right. to pull from with an easy bound because you've killed it and put it all in the corpus. Guess what's next? Now you're cracking it open for that emergency. And once you've done that, Mike, it's Pandora's box. You'll never put that back in. And now all bets are done, right? So that's why. And remember what I was also talking about was that you have a uh, a government that has grown um, by double, basically, from the early 2000s, like I was saying before. And we've talked about this. And so you get this government that has grown by double. But, you know, they go, well, you know, that's about right where it should be with inflation. That's what we were saying on the break. And we got stopped by the ding. They said, but it's not true because normally you'd say, well, that's based on, you know, the size of the population growth. It doesn't, it hasn't doubled. And in fact, since about 2016, 17, our population trend has reversed. It's actually an outflow of migration. So we should be shrinking, not growing based on the fact that that's happening. We should be looking at deflationary, but we're not. So the government has grown. We're going to take every penny. We're in trouble moving down the road. We've got no options for the ERA. If we need it, we're going to move it all into the corpus. We're going to take every penny we get. We're going to add a billion dollars or however much to the budget over the next few years. What do you think this looks like at the next crisis nexus, whatever that is? Doesn't matter. COVID 2024, COVID 2026, a stock market crash. So you name the thing and we're in trouble, Mike. We're in big trouble. And we're not going to be able to pay the bills. And you can't tax. It doesn't matter your sales tax or whatever we do for any kind of tax if we even had a comprehensive plan because they seem absolutely you know, um, committed to not having any comprehensive fiscal policy whatsoever. And so what are you going to do? Where are you going to get the money from? You can't just instantly do a tax anyways, right? Cause it's going to take time and go through all that. And like I said, you don't have the economic base to tax like other big States do. So where does this take us? That should be a question we should be asking and answering. Where does this policy, these policies you and Ben were talking about first out, where does it take us? And I don't see anything good because we refuse to solve the problem now while we still can. We refuse to enact the policies you guys were talking about in the first hour to give us the stability to grow the private economy, right? We're not making enough food for ourselves. Agriculture is a big key, right? Growing stuff. We don't do that. We're not digging anymore because the federal government will let us mine or drill for oil. Right. What are we going to do, Mike? And it's not, I mean, is there going to be nothing left but federal and state employees that have jobs? I mean, which, 
Well, that and, just, the, it's, and it's frustrating. That and all the private industry that services the public industry, right? That'll be about the only things that are left over when it's all said and done. Uh, if yeah, uh, I don't if know what else could, Yeah, if we continue down. And, this and road. why is anybody going to invest in a state that's this messed up? <clears throat> right? You take that to the well. We want the private economy. We want people to. We need to invest, and we need to burst that. From who? Who's going to dump money into Alaska? Look at the mess that we are. And you add a federal government that's hostile to any resource development. How are you going to grow this state, Mike, when we are ha- as we are? I, it, nobody in their right mind is going to look at Alaska. Well, that sounds like a great place to invest a billion dollars. Huh. Well, wait a minute. They don't know what they're doing. Their state's upside down. It's setting themselves up to fail. They're a train wreck about to go. Who in their right mind is going to do that? Right. The oil companies are doing a little bit here and there, but they're tenuous. And, you know, a lot of them are pulling back and pulling out. I mean, it's just you see the writing on the wall. So it is. I and mean, again, I hate to be. I know it's always like we're gloom and doom. I don't want to be there. But at the same time, I can't just stick my head in the sand and go, no, it's going to be fine. I know better than that. Right. And that's why I think Ben and myself and the others and you and a lot of your listeners are so frustrated because it really isn't rocket science. And we really do have good solutions that would work. But the old guard refuses to, to do it. They're playing a dangerous game, Mike, and it's like they think they can control the genie once they let them out of the bottle, and I would argue you can't. Uh, State Senator Mike Showers, our guest, State Senator for District O up here in the uh, Matsu area uh, and parts of other parts, valleys and some other places as well, but the central part of the state. Um, Mike, uh, what do you say to people? Because, again, I've seen a couple comments uh, over the past, you know, a few times you've been on the show talking about this and we've talked about different forms of connecting the public and private economy, whether it's taxes or something else. What is your argument to people that you run into that say, I can't believe that you are suggesting that we have some form of tax? Now, I know putting that into perspective, you said you would not vote for a single tax until there's a comprehensive Absolutely. spending cap on. But what what is your argument? Um what is your argument to people when they start talking to you about, I can't believe that you brought up the idea of any kind of potential tax? Because if people say that, Mike, then the logical question I would ask them is that, well, what world are you living in? Are you living in your utopian world where it's just cut government spending that we just balance the budget? Because that's not going to happen in this state. It's not going to happen with the group of legislators we have or the outside influence of big unions and lobbyists and municipal league and everybody else. Are you living in the pragmatic world that says this is what we actually have for the battlefield and this is how many people we have that are on board with it? You know, about 15 or 18 legislators right now, if you're lucky, you know, to do the the comprehensive fiscal plan. So do you want me to run it into the ground? That's an option. Or do you want me to try to fix it? Because, Mike, we're dealing with the battlefield in front of us. The battlefield in front of us is not friendly right now at all to cutting. We've talked about that, right? The governor does a little trimming here and there after the budget comes out, but that's about it. We never pass any spending cuts in either body. It seems to not happen. Uh, we know that the spending bills are out there like crazy. We're just scrambling, trying to hold those off as best we can. We won't cap our spending. We're taking the dividend. Talked about that. Want to move it all into the corporate. Everything we just said. So my question for people is, do you want me to, to work on solving the problem with other legislators or not? Because the people say, well, just cap it. Well, we've tried. We can't. Well, I think proposed or i was a proponent of the constitutional convention where we could have had the people come up and maybe try to solve them that got shot down because we were outspent by lower 48 money 100 to 1 because they want to keep this very left-wing constitution they don't want to let it go so i go back to my question long answer to your short question is what do i tell people is well i ask them the question what do you want me to do with the battlefield as it's laid out in front of me because we are outnumbered we are outspent we don't have the desire or the will to cut 
to this level. We can't even get the Sunset Commission thing passed. It would at least give us an outside, you know, objective agency or, you know, objective group to look at things we could do for um, reducing the cost of government and increasing efficiency. We can't get a constitutional amendment, uh, you know, for this this change of the spending cap passed. We can't seem to re reduce costs. We, so what do you want us to do? If we stay on the current path, Mike, that's the whole point of the last two hours of conversation. If we stay on the current path, the train's going to crash. It's just a matter of when. And what are the triggers that get us there? That's, that's to me, it's, it's, it's a foregone conclusion. Some of us are trying to actually be responsible fiscally and solve it now right. before the train crash would be nice. But to do that, we're going to have to do some things that not everybody's going to like. I don't want a tax, Mike, but it's going to have to be a part of a comprehensive plan because you got so many legislators that want one. I want a constitutional spending cap change. Well, a lot of them don't want that, but to get the rest of the plan, they're going to have to go along. See, that's my point. It's compromise to get that plan to keep us from crashing. That's isn't, the answer, yeah. right? Isn't that the definition of compromise, that everybody's a little unhappy about where they end up at yes. in the long run? That's the problem. And, yeah, I don't want taxes. No. And I, yeah, I want cuts. But the problem is I can't get those by themselves. We don't have the votes. And they go, well, we're going to remove people. Well, you talked about that in the first hour, but we still end up with the same problem. So you're dealing with what the, the, the hand that you have been dealt. And the hand is to, to solve this at all is going to take a balanced fiscal policy that's going to require compromise from conservatives. It's going to require compromise from liberals. It's going to require compromise from people in the middle. That's the only way. Like, right. right now we're being blocked by the old guard. Well, and it's and it's multiple parts, right? It's a spending cap. It's a constitutionalizing the PFD. It's a sales tax. It's a new tax on oil. It's a new. I mean, there there's multiple pieces. It's not just one size, one solution fits all. It's got to be all of these pieces together. And the reason for that, Mike, is if you don't do that, then you don't bring enough people from each of these groups or where they may want several of the issues, but not those other things. If you don't do all of those things, you don't add up to enough people to pass it that's the problem you got to get your in this case 27 14 and one right not even 21 11 and one because it involves some constitutional amendments you got to get those votes and if you can't get them though then you fail and to get those numbers which is the point you have to make some compromises on certain things that you want and certain things other people want that's how we got there in the fiscal policy working group like you said the art of compromise everybody was a little bit unhappy but everybody also got some things they wanted, and it solved the problem. Well, at this point, Mike, that's the best we're going to do. It's either that, right. like I said, or we sit back on this train and watch it go over the bridge. What do you, what do you want me to do? Right. That's well, the answer. I mean, again, it, and, and the thing that always shocked me was that the fiscal policy, that was a unanimous decision. That, I mean, some of the, the people who were polar opposites in the end all came together and said, okay, this is the solution. I mean, that is the, uh, you know, that is a huge deal in this day and age that that came back and yet nobody is giving it the the screen time or the or you know the floor time that it deserves to talk about in fact it's they're actively working against those rec recommendations it seems like yeah mike and it's not just the left like the people that are you know like your crowd is mostly conservative or libertarian or independent oh it's those people on the left well no it's people on the right too because people are right but just cut just do it okay how many times do i have to tell you you can't cut it if you can't get 11, 21, and 1. You can't. Yeah, that's the way the system is set up, right? And if you can't get 27, 14, and 1, you're not going to pass a constitutional amendment that's required. So that's the, the point, Mike, is that people on all sides of the aisle are um, 
an impediment to this in their own way, depending on what they're doing. Because you got guys in your program that just say, you know, guess that would just say, cut, cut, cut. All right. I go back to ask the question, what world are you living in? Because it's not the world I'm dealing with in Juneau. It's not the numbers. Everybody, the legislators from the Matsu are not the same as the legislators from Kodiak or West, you know, Fairbanks or Juneau. They're not the same as Kenai, right? So it's different. That's the reality of a big state spread out like that, Mike. We're not, you know, we're not Florida with a, you know, super majority red legislature that just, you know, pushes stuff through and the governor signs it. That's not Alaska, not even close. And then you got the binding caucus effect. And then you got Republicans and Democrats that switch sides all the time. It's a, it's a chocolate mess. Mike, it is. Mike Schauer is our guest. Uh, we're going to continue He's here. Speechless. He's, I'm speechless. <laughs> I'm just like, I mean, we know all this, right? We've gone over this. We've talked about it ad nauseum. And yet it just seems like either the people, well, it's like the electorate just doesn't care. It's like, you know, put my guy back in and he'll take care of it. Or the politicians are just stuck on this. We know better than you kind of thing. And it's frustrating. <laughs> Um, Mike Showers, our guest, one final segment dead ahead, and we'll just give him free reign to talk about this or whatever else he wants to talk about. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Um, We're back. Mike Shower, our guest. The people, says Rick, the people don't vote or are not informed. Um, I would say that it's a combination of those two because we've seen the incredibly low voter Mm -hmm. turnouts recently. And we also see people that just they don't you know, these issues can be complex. And most people are so busy trying to make a living or, you know, are so interested on in what's on Must See TV Thursday that they just are not paying attention to what's necessary. They're trusting their elected officials to do the right thing, um, which is, well. The right I, thing for who? Yeah, well, that's, them, a, that's the thing. Or who, who gave them big donations, um, yeah. you know, during the campaign for their constituents for who for I who, just, mike i just think that, that i think that that trust may be misplaced let me just put it that way to trust your politicians to do the right thing uh, a lot of times with many politicians it's a certain type of critter that is self-serving to say the least right that's look at who where they get the support from mike yeah. look at it during campaigns like last year you could look at certain campaigns oh maybe mine any unions in there nope Maybe other people have lots of union support and lots of union money. Maybe they get money from big uh, business people. Uh, Maybe they get it from outside sources or PACs. I mean, look at who they vote with and who they work for. There's a lot of things in there, Mike, that you can look at people and figure out, well, where does their heart really lie? And who do they really um, support when they're down there? Look at where they get their stuff from. Look at campaigns. Maybe they get it all from individuals. Oh, like maybe mine did. It was all from people. It wasn't from big unions or big business, right? So, I mean, there's things like that that you need to look at when you're making the decisions about who you want to be your elected official. And then your guests are not, look, Mike, you got really smart guests. They're very, very engaged. That's why they're listening to the program. They're, they pay attention. They're involved. They're engaged. And I appreciate it, even though I know sometimes that they, they get frustrated and, you know, throw, throw shade my way. That's fine. That's part of the job. But 
they're involved at least and they're asking questions and they're trying. Um, but that's not most people. Most people, like you said, are too busy working or just simply don't care. And then they turn around and complain. I go, well, did you vote? Well, it doesn't matter. Well, then don't complain. Did you help a good candidate? Did you give them money? Did you walk doors for them? Did you maybe make phone calls? Did you put out flyers for them? Did you go to any town halls and ask hard questions? Do you do it? Do you call your legislator and give them an earful? Most people will tell you no to every one of those things, but they'll complain right. about how bad it is. Well, po- politics is a participatory sport. You've got to you've got to be involved in it, and you can't complain. You almost lose your right to complain. But then I guess I also ask part of the reason why our voter turnout is so low is because many people, like you said earlier, uh, people who listen to this program, or what, they're frustrated. They just throw their hands up in the air and they're like, "What difference does it make? What sure. what can I sure. do?" You know, I mean, that's yeah. that's where that's where a lot of people are at, I think, is not necessarily that they don't care, but they just feel so impotent and ineffective that they're like, I'm not going to put my hand in that meat grinder again. You know, I get that, Mike. And I, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for him because I sometimes on some days I feel the same way. But I guess I go back to I'm still fighting the battle. And the reason is my kids and my grandkids. I'm not giving up for them. I don't. There's days I just don't want to go down there and put up with this anymore. I don't want to fight the same battles. I don't want to come on the Dukes program and talk about the same things over and over and over again. But then there's other days I go, well, if I don't, then somebody else is. And maybe that somebody else is going to be more, you know, um, uh, interested in what the big unions want or big business wants or lobbyists want or their own personal agenda, whatever it may be. And then I'm all right, well, we'll fight the battle another day. I understand that feeling all too well and probably better than most because I'm in it. Um, but, you know, at the same time, if you just throw your hands up and give up and too many of us do that, well, guess what? I guess who's going to run the show, Mike, the old guard. Right. And all of the interests that you don't want running the show because there will be no dividend. There will be a big government. There will be taxes because they don't care because they're going to make sure it doesn't affect them, but it's certainly going to affect you. So if you don't have a seat at the table, you got no voice. And unfortunately, we see things like the binding caucus and what's happened with the supermajority right now. You know, there's 120,000 Alaskans in the Senate that don't have a voice because right. certain Republicans decided to, you know, basically um, shove three to the side and not give them committees and right. take away their voice. Sideline. So yeah. this kind of stuff happens. And if you don't get involved, it will continue to happen. And then, you know, what's the point? Like, you just we're just going to cede them control or, or you fight. Right? That's your options. I mean, that's why you know, we... ranked choice voting didn't help, you know, because it, it suppresses groups. We know that already. The statistical data is there. I mean, you add that to the apathy and the anger and the people are tired and frustrated. It's it's troubling because it means less involvement, not more. And that's exactly the, the wrong direction. That's why we keep saying on the program, don't grow weary in well-doing, because if we give up, they win. I mean, that's the thing, because they are good. They want that, yeah, Mike. They want they you to want give that. you up. Yeah. They will. They will sit there and wait for you to give up and get it their way because they don't care. They simply, and I'm saying they, for a certain group of people, they don't care. They will sit there and do whatever they want. They will take the heat. They don't care what people say about them. They're just going to do what they want. Yeah. And like you said, that's what they're waiting for. They're waiting for people to be so frustrated that they can basically just wait you out. Yeah, they're happy to wait you out because they've got they've got their hand on the rudder. Nobody else can put their hand on the rudder right now. Why would they give it up at this point, especially if you're going to get frustrated and quit? That's the whole point. All right. Well, next segment, whatever we want to talk about, Mike, it's all on you. Uh, Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like it, share, like it, follow. Here we go.
Okay, final segment of the show today. Uh, ben Carpenter, Mike Shower have been our guests today. Uh, good show, full show. If you missed anything, don't forget you can go back and listen on the podcast. Uh, or you can watch the replay on Facebook or YouTube, whichever you prefer. Mike Shower continues with us here, one final segment. And, Mike, I'll just give you fair – if you want to keep talking about this, I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy to do so. But any other topic you nah. want to ring on and is, is fine with me as we kind of maybe try and lighten things up here at the end of the show today. Mike, we've kicked this horse so many times. It's like buried six feet underground. I don't know how she keep kicking the dead horse. Let's move on. Everybody on the program knows most of them pay attention. But let's do talk about a couple of other things I think are important about direction of the state, cautionary tales, mm-hmm. reading a lot about San Francisco and other big cities, you know, down south, New York, et cetera, you know, with the immigrant crisis because they're sanctuary cities and they're blue cities and, you know, just the, the far left policies of their mayors and governors. And they are just sucking it up right now hard. I mean, they're just you're seeing even some left of center folks starting to complain about the crime and everything just falling apart. So I say that because I think that's important, right? What happens in Anchorage affects the Matsu and vice versa. We're kind of tied at the hip. You know, and Anchorage basically has those same policies. It has the same left-wing freaking um, extremists, progressives, Marxists, communists, whatever they are, in charge of the Anchorage Assembly. Um, and, you know, we have some of those same policies with that sanctuary mindset and, you know, basically lawlessness and don't, you know, uh, defund the police or so many things happening. I think that's very important. We think about that, you know, because a lot of your folks that listen are in Anchorage or in the Anchorage municipality and other places. And that's a cautionary tale. Look at what's happening in some of these cities. They are literally falling apart right now. And Anchorage is on that path. And so that's a cautionary tale for getting involved in voting and making sure you get better candidates that step into the assembly in other places. And we don't have those policies enacted because guess what? Anchorage swirls down that toilet bowl. Mike, guess who that's going to affect? Right. It's going to bleed over to us in the Matsu too. So don't think it doesn't affect you. It absolutely does. So I think that's an important thing we need to be paying attention to because what's happening, you saw it with Ben Carson, right? I mean, I thought that was fan- that was fascinating to watch that here is a Anchorage school superintendent with all these accolades and, you know, these things, these acronyms behind his name. And he says he cares about the communities of color. I'm like, really? Really? You, you care about communities of color, but you don't let Dr. Ben Carson talk to public school kids in Anchorage, one of the most um, culturally diverse you know, school districts in the nation. Here you have a black man, a renowned world surgeon that broke through that glass ceiling, all these major accomplishments, and you're not going to let him talk to public. Is that Oh, it's not because he's black. It's because he's a right of center guy. He's a conservative Christian. Could you imagine if it was a black individual, a black American that was left of center? Oh, that school district would have absolutely had that person speaking to those kids. Mike, he came up to the Matsu and they were happy to let him talk to these kids. I mean, you have a, an amazing man with an amazing story. Um, actually, my, a friend of mine and I were his uh, campaign coordinators back in 2016 because we liked him. I thought he was a great guy. He'd be a fantastic president until, you know, when his campaign was over, we stopped. But um, we were uh, like his coordinators for the state. And the point is you got a really great guy, but here you have school districts that are doing very biased and prejudiced policies because somebody is a conservative and a Christian. Right. Well, and not answering the questions. That's the other thing. Uh, Jarrett, uh, you know, was asked by Dave Donnelly at the school board meeting to give a reason. Oh, I'll give a reason in the board connect statement, which was that, you know, the next. And of course, he didn't mention a thing. Not giving any reasons. I don't have to give a reason. Apparently, because you and I you both know, know what the reason yeah, is. It's because exactly. Ben Carson is a is a conservative Christian, so he's not welcome here. I don't care right. that he's black. I don't care that he has an amazing message to share with these kids of hope and the future and positive, you know, positive energy focused their way on what they can become and do. No, that doesn't matter. Oh, you're a conservative Christian. You're out. 
We don't want you here. Oh, you're a defund the police, CRT person, left-wing extremist. Yeah, you come on here and talk anytime we want. That's dangerous, Mike. And honestly, it makes me wonder, you know, from a state funding perspective, I'm like, should we be funding the Anchorage School District to the level we are? Maybe they need to be more on their own if they're going to have such biased and prejudiced policies, because it should be equal across the board, right? right. That's what it's supposed to be, public taxpayer money. You shouldn't be welcoming one and shunning another strictly because of their political views. So right. that's a dangerous time, things we should be considering. These are just things happening in the state right now that well, you know, I'm thinking about what's happening. Obviously, um, the budget, you know, we're back to, oh, we're good right now because, of course, the war in Ukraine with Russia and the tightening of the oil supply, OPEC saying, you know, they're going to you know, shrink the supply as well, cut production. So that's going to jack up the price per barrel. So now we're, you know, if we get another pass, you know, so we can just kick the can down the road a little further. We'll see how long that lasts until the next thing. But that's a, you know, an interesting thing. You may remember this. It's kind of a weird rabbit hole for a moment. But last year on the floor, the last session, I said the year before, um, they put out a resolution and it was about supporting the Ukraine with all kinds of, you know, stuff. And, and that was basically lethal aid, you know, so kinetic weaponry. And I was like, oh, I don't think so. Getting us down this path is just leading us into another Vietnam, into another Afghanistan, another Iraq. What are we doing? I'm looking like the Democrats are like, rah, rah, rah. I'm like, when did you guys become the pro-war party? So many people like want to go to war with Russia, a near-peer nuclear competitor? Really? Um, not about conventional, okay, Bill, I'm talking about nuclear and other stuff. And I'm, so I'm watching that kind of take place. And I, and I made them change the resolution or they wanted a unanimous vote. And I said, no way, I'm not going to vote for it. Um, unless it goes to which is non-lethal aid, which I'm all about, you know, humanitarian aid, stuff like that. I got it. I'm very cautious about how we step into this. It's like we just think we're just going to get involved in these things and there's no consequences for it. So we are just teetering on the edge of that with what we're supplying to the Ukraine right now, including we have people on the ground, Mike. Everybody knows it. How long until Russians and Americans shooting each other? Where does that go? Right. Russia has a president that's very, you know, kind of backed into a corner right now. And that guy, they've, they, in their strategy, Mike, they talk about tactical nukes on the battlefield. What if that happens? You know, it's just, there's a lot of danger with the, the game we're playing. That's NATO's backyard. NATO wants to get involved and do stuff. Those countries, I, I understand that. Right. But, uh, so that's kind of on my mind and, and paying attention to it right now. What's right. happening to the digital currency to push with that. There's a big thing that's happening right now. Watch your freaking wallet, folks, because digital currency is coming and they're pushing hard for that. And you tie that to the rising interest rates right now, kind of a bleak picture for the housing market, high prices of houses, the reduced demand and interest rates at what, 7.1. Last I saw 7.273. So those are those are creeping up and that's that's tough for people. So really just, you know, I think the some of the advice I'm seeing is valid. It's like, you know, don't spend a lot on the credit card right now and, and save, you know, have some some money <laughs> saved up because I think it's going to be a, a rough ride for a little while until we kind of see where things go. And then of course you have an election year. They're already talking about COVID 2024 and mass mandates coming out in October. I'm like, good Lord, here we go again. So um, a lot, a lot happening, Not, nothing where I'm going, you know, great. I wish we were just talking about bacon and old airplanes and some cool stories. But again, it's important that we discuss, you know, the things that are happening and people right. pay attention to it because th these things all affect us, Mike. Well, International, it, national, and state, they affect us. A couple, couple of the things that I've been watching um, uh, nationally that I, I can start starting to see up here is, of course, the issue of homelessness in the Anchorage area and in some of the other larger cities. That's becoming a bigger issue. And then the other thing was with crime. Uh, these, you know, organized organized gangs going into stores and busting in and, and dropping out people going into Lowe's and Home Depot and, you know, filling up a cart and walking out and like that's all okay i mean and that's not just happening in other places it's happening here and that is i mean that, that's that's the doggy dog world that nobody wants to live in 
Well, if we don't have policies that make it so the people that are considering those actions understand they're going to jail and maybe for a while that there will be consequences, well, then more people will do it. And you're always going to see rising crime when the economy is, is struggling like it is now and potentially going to get worse. People, even people that wouldn't normally do that, will participate in crime just to, you know, um, get by or to, you know, make the next run, month's rent. Or, you know, if it's a drug addict, they're going to steal stuff. I mean, so it's a, it's a spiral, right? And that's why I started off that little diatribe back there with the cautionary tale about San Francisco and New York and other places that are struggling, cities like Anchorage. That's going to affect us, Mike. So we need to pay attention to that because it's, it's we're not disconnected from it and as all of these things take place it's gonna it's gonna cause some ripple effects that could affect us very very strongly so be you know just as always be prepared you know you're, you're the first responder you got to take care of yourself make sure that you can take care of yourself financially best you can and hope you know against hope that somehow this state's going to come to its senses and, and find some sanity for planning for the future because right now we're not on a we're not in a good course for that yeah unfortunately. No. well again don't grow weary and well-doing uh don't give up because that's what they want uh state senator mike shower thank you my friend for coming on board as always great to talk with you you too thanks uh folks we're out of time for today tomorrow is another one we will see you then the michael duke show common sense radio be kind love one another live well Final thoughts from you, Mike Shower. I'll give you the final bite at the apple, my friend, just in case there's anything Boy, you missed. I don't think there's anything we didn't cover today or we covered more than enough. So I just, uh, you know, just I hope people will keep their chins up, Mike. It's a tough time. It's, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of headwinds, so-called, you know, against all of us, you know, the, the local citizen, the um, the economy, uh, you know, the state of Alaska with the feds, I mean, just a lot of stuff going on. So. You know, do your best. If you're a person of faith, pray. It always helps. It does for me. Um, try to know where my rock is and, uh, you know, that I've, um, you know, there's certainty that for the future, I hope. But it's tough. It's tough time, Mike. There's no way around that. So just, um, I'm not, there's nothing else to add to the conversation other than just tell people to, you know, um, do your best to be prepared and, uh, you know, hold on and have a good sense of community, right? Take care of each other, because it may come down to that for a lot of us. Take care of each other in our communities, because that's a big deal. And often when there's troubling times, you know, grapes of wrath, you know, the, the Great Depression in the 30s, that's how a lot of people got by. They took yeah. care of each other. The community reached out and did things and helped. And that, you know, that's, that's maybe where we're at. We don't have that sense of community, I think, as much as we used to, but we might need it. So yeah. be nice to your neighbor, like you said, because uh, we may be needing each other soon. Mike Shower, thank you, my friend. I appreciate you calling in. We'll talk to you again next week, okay? All right. You guys take care, Mike. See you. Thanks so much. Folks, we are out of time for today. Tomorrow is uh, another one. We got, we'll got. we come back with something good next week or next tomorrow. You know what I mean. It'll be fun. Thanks for coming in. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 